1: There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star All
2: the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now
0: All right, coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Uh, it's a great honor. Uh, on episode 236, Coach Griggs, so uh, I, know, uh, I know I've know i been doing quite a few of these and so forth, but I got the great honor to uh, interview Coach uh, Mike Griggs. He's the founder and owner of Georgia Basketball Academy. Is that correct? That is correct. And you have other programs underneath that. I love what you're doing. Um, kind of as part of your, your organization, Mike. I know you're going to talk about that, but uh, Coach Griggs, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it, Kevin. I enjoy being with you. Hey, uh, please give, you know, talk to us. Uh, I know that um, I have known you a lot. You do a lot of uh, social media and Twitter, and I, you, you put a lot of great things on it. But I know you're doing a lot of great things for uh, kids who want to play at the next level and, or just want to improve. Talk about kind of where you came from, your background, and how you got into the basketball training.
2: Uh, sure. Uh, thanks, Kevin. Yeah, uh, you know, back – I mean, I've been at this a little over 20 years now. I got started after – I when I was in high school, and this really dates me, I mean, there was no travel ball. There was nothing – There AAU wasn't out there. There was no – I mean, I didn't know of any trainers, skilled trainers, none of that kind of stuff. I went to a few camps, um, and there just wasn't anything out there. And I had a phenomenal high school coach, and uh, his name's Joe Carter, and he's up in his 70s, and he's actually uh, coaching, uh, still helps with track at Brookwood High School up in, uh, in Gwinnett County. Okay. And, uh, and I actually am training his grandson now. I mean, he was my high, co- high school coach 40 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, I'm old and I'm actually training his uh, grandson and uh, I got in contact with him. I just wanted to, I just wrote him a letter through the school just to thank him for being the kind of transformational coach he was. And, and uh, I don't remember really anything about his X's and O's. Mm -hmm. He was mainly a cross country track coach, so he definitely ran our butts off and, you know, (laughs) we weren't ever out of shape, but uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was he was kind of he was influential in my life and and what he did and and so after I graduated you know I just kind of went on the way of uh, took a gap year I mean I was a good high school player uh, I was unfortunately I was a young senior I was six one, grew several inches after I graduated I could have used in high school <laughs> and uh, you know I was a double double guy but in one of the larger classifications in DeKalb County but you know, it just wasn't like it was today with all the different resources and ways to get exposure and so forth. So I just kind of went the route of uh, school and just work in education. And over the years, you know, I had kids, got married, had kids and um, I'm going on 37 years now of marriage and a couple of kids. But um, I decided, you know, yeah, I decided to because uh, I've always loved basketball. And just I always had a real passion for it. And I started helping, uh, just working with a couple of kids at a, a small private school real close to me, actually where my kids were going. And, you know, they were doing really well and and the parents liked it. And, and uh, you know, I had my own financial planning practice and was doing fine. So I was kind of doing it on a side hustle, you know, just a little hobby, just just having a good time because I loved it so much. And it just kind of grew from there, word of mouth, uh, didn't do any advertising. And uh, my very first uh, young lady that ever, you know, earned a scholarship was out of that, one of those first groups out of that little small private school. She went down to Palm Beach Atlantic, and, and now she's a nurse. She's married, got kids, and, and uh, we still, we're still in touch, you know, to this day, which I am with a lot of my kids, even from that far back. I mean, I've been to weddings. I've been to births. All kinds of stuff, and but um, so it just kind of grew from there, and uh, just word of mouth, really, and you know how p- parents and players they see other kids getting better, and and they just start saying, "Hey, what what did you do?" And so I, I don't know. I was probably I was probably one of the earlier quote unquote trainers in the area, I guess, and um, and just started growing from there. And the big thing for me was, is, I mean, I I had a good basketball knowledge and that kind of thing. And, uh, but you know, we're always, we're a product of our environment. Mm -hmm. And so I pretty much taught kids the same way I taught, I was taught. And, uh, I mean, I was a really good shooter in high school, good technique. So that's kind of what I started doing. But then I, I just knew that I needed to grow and I needed to continue to grow. So I just kind of, uh, I kind of enrolled myself into uh, Championship Productions, you know, and their their website. And I mean, I spent I spent so much money on DVDs. Just most of it, I knew when I watched it. But then, you know, I get nuggets here, and they were all typically on player development. There wasn't any really on X's and O's that much, because um, that's just not where my focus was. And uh, got in touch. Uh, I met Rick Torbett. You know, you know Rick. Better basketball. Uh, yes. I met him probably 17 years ago at uh, PGC, uh, Point Guard College at Emory. He was down there just giving Mano Watsa the, his very first Read and React you know, DVD that he had just started it.
0: Yeah, that, now so, you really dated yourself there. Manu. Oh, I'm telling you.
2: Yeah, I am. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, Rick and I hit it off. We had lunch together and we talked and, uh, yes. cause I was using, I was using a lot of his better basketball skills DVDs. Great, great DVD. Great. Yeah, DVD. definitely. And, uh, and I've recommended those to kids over the years. And so it kind of, you know, went from there, but then the real interesting part is that can only really take you so far. And then I started getting into about eight years ago. It's really, really changed for me. I began to, kind of – and I had always reached out to, you know, top coaches around the country, whether they were shooting coaches uh, or player development coaches at the higher levels. Uh, you know, I got involved with, uh, you know, Drew Hanlon with Pure Sweat for a while. I mean, not working for him or anything like that, but a lot of his information. Um, but then when I really got into, you know, kind of people like Brian McCormick. Right. Uh, you know, with his Saba system and and his philosophies and – and uh and several others i got more into uh the science of learning and really studying movement and uh and how we learn and how the brain works the biology of the brain and and just psychology sports psychology and that's and that's really about eight years ago when i really started getting into that it just my players just exploded in their growth and development they, you know, the big thing these days is you don't want to, and you know, you don't want to develop players that are just good in practice. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just good at drills or they're good at going around cones or, you know, to me, they, it's not learned. And you've probably heard this quote, you know, it's not learned just because we teach it. You know, just because we tell a kid doesn't mean they learn it. What we see learning, you can't really see learning take place. Mm-hmm. In a session and we see performance but we don't see learning and so we know it's learned when it transfers to that game when it transfers to the performance and it may transfer 50 percent one week next next week it might be 60 70, but the key is you just keep working with them so the more i worked on that part of it plus and i've always put players first in my training and you know, I've read the transformational coaching books. And, and again, most of the podcasts and books I read, and I'm probably reading, I don't know, probably one or two books a week. Uh And uh, I finally started having to get them on Kindle all the time. because I I don't have space for my wife said, okay, that's enough books. And, uh, and so, but because of that, that move into that part of training, the, the mind part, the how the brain works and developing all that part. I mean, it just, it's just really exploded. And, uh, and I've had, and about then, I mean, I've had about eight, I've had eight consecutive seasons now where hundred percent of my senior girls earn scholarships. And so it's really being able to see them go from, you know, bench warmers or you know or middle schoolers and or got cut from teens and then come back and be able to do that. I mean it's 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 a lot of fun Gavin. I mean it's sure. it's a lot of fun to watch.
0: Yeah and that's the cool thing you kind of see their growth and development. Mike it sounds like to me I'm going to ask you really quick about your your mentors who kind of shape your mind a little bit. Um, but you're all about becoming a master teacher, right? Is that, uh, you think us coaches, I think that's an undertaught value in coaching now. I think there's a lot of guys that are probably good basketball minds, but are you a good teacher and are you a master teacher? I don't think enough coaches strive for that.
2: Yeah. And, and that's, that's, you know, that's a good possibility. I mean, I feel like I, my two main gifts are teaching and giving or servanthood. And so, I mean, I, I, I'm really good at taking complex things and teaching them. I mean, my gosh, if you're teaching youth players, you better be good at, you know, because some of the stuff can be complex.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, uh, even, you know, even a high school, even college, I mean, they're still only 22 or younger,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and their brains aren't developed, you know. And so, even at that age, it's amazing what they don't know. I mean, I have, I've had college players come back, come to me that, to work on shooting because that's really a, a, my highest priority, my, really my specialty, is they'll come back and I'll teach them some basic stuff. And these guys are 21, 22 years old, and they've never heard of this stuff before. <laughs> right. And it, it surprises me. And I, I kind of look at it personally. I mean, this is how my personal philosophy is, is the greatest player development is coach development and i would not hire i would not want to go to a surgeon that's still working on technology from three four probably even two years ago right or a cpa that didn't keep up with stuff or an attorney that didn't so we look at those professions and they are professions i mean you know those guys have to do all their schooling licensing and stuff player development coaches we don't have to you know if we got a goal in a driveway bam We can do a business card for a few bucks, and we're a trainer. (laughs) And so, what happens is the way personally I look at it is it's all about quality. And so, if when a parent comes to me with their child, that is massive responsibility. Whether I'm a coach or I'm a player development coach, uh, it's I'm not going. I I would feel ethically, personally, my way, my values are. I couldn't charge a, a parent if I wasn't busting my butt for their kid.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I mean, I do not, and I don't just do sessions. I mean, I go to their games. I'm, I'm usually under their under the goals down there. I've got a camera, I've got my know my video. I'm doing everything I can and I come back home and I watch them and I see how I can help them and stuff like that. But back to your point, I think a lot of times Coaches will stay in their lane, and they think it's just X's and O's. Mm-hmm. And it's just so much more than that. I mean, that's – and that's, you know, years back in my early 20s, I probably had a really good head start. I was going to a lot of Zig Ziglar type stuff. Right. Uh, Charlie Tremendous Jones, all those really old guys. You know, and then Jim Rohn. and Rove, you know, so, yeah. I mean, that's really – in my early 20s, I got that really good, strong – Optimistic, self-development type mentality, and so I try to instill that in my kids. And you know, you know, basketball is just a tool. You know, most most of the time, players that ball is going to stop bouncing in their senior year high school, you know, or four four years of college, and after that, it's done. And you know, early on, I used to tell parents. If they did something good in my sessions, and but they wouldn't do it in the game, and they call me and say, you know, little Johnny and little Susie's just not—they're not doing what they're doing in practice. I used to say, well, they'll maybe they just need to work harder, they need to do this, they need to do that. See, I don't do that anymore. To me, if it doesn't transfer, that is my fault. I take full responsibility now because that means I didn't teach it properly, and it's not a cutie. Could- cookie cutter type of teaching. It's I've got to find a way for that particular athlete. If they're struggling, if they're doing something okay with me in practice, it's not transferring. I need to figure out if I'm going to continue charging that parent, I've got to figure out Uh where that disconnect is. And it could be physical. It could be mental. You know, it could be different things, emotional, uh, but I've got to find it. To me, that's a that's my responsibility, just like any other professional, trying to find an obscure rule, a tax break a, or a surgical procedure. You know, I've got to find it. And that's kind of how I look at it. I hold myself to that high of a standard. And so I'm reading, I'm reading the books on neuroscience. I mean, if you saw my podcast list, oh my goodness, it is a lot of neuroscience, neuroscientists that deal with learning, that deal with biology of the brain, that deal with psychology, I mean, all that kind of stuff, and then I've got the coaches, I've got stuff outside my lane, and that's just it, you know, you got to broaden it, you know, we, we tell players, don't be a one-dimensional player, well, we don't need to be one-dimensional coaches, and then just poop. poo so, oh, that's the player's fault, you know, they're not trying hard enough, they're not mentally tough enough, they're not this, they're not that, let's take responsibility,
0: yeah, I love that. You definitely have a growth mindset, and I think more coaches need to adhere to that as well. Um, yeah, it's so easy, right, to do the blame game, right, Mike? Okay, you know, my team, and I'll, I'll just use me as an example. You know, hey, hey, my team is turning the ball over. Well, you know what, Kevin? You need to work on ball control, ball uh, decision-making more, I think. I don't think enough coaches do that. Uh, I know it, and whenever I've been coaching, um, whatever happens on the floor is my responsibility on that. And that's hard to do. That's hard
2: to break the ego away. Right, Mike? It is. I mean, you, I mean, that's the right word right there. Ego. And uh, to be able to be, and it's, it's a part of being vulnerable, you know, being vulnerable means you've got to be willing to one, push that ego down and our, our human nature doesn't like that, but you know, you, we want our players to trust us. You know, we want them, But we have to be vulnerable. We have to put them first and their needs first and understand that there's so much going on in their life. When they come to that practice or they come to a session with me, first and foremost, I've got to just keep in my mind that it's very possible that their central nervous system is already maxed out. (laughs) From the day at school, it may be a rough situation at home. And their, and their time with me or their time at practice, that's their time away. That's almost like their relief time. So I'm not going to be screaming, yelling, cussing. And I know trainers that do that. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I don't care. You, you can try to say, oh, it's, it's because it's sports or, you know, that's just the way sports is. That's just hard coaching. We're going to make them mentally tough. And I'm sorry. That crosses a line to me and uh i mean if you want to be a bully go be a bully somewhere else go into mma or ufc or something like that right and uh, where that persona can be you know you can use it but uh yeah so you just you got to be so aware of where these kids are and how when they're coming to you uh you know we can it's very hard to instill confidence in a player just because of the way the mind works and everything and you know, we can't really just open them up and give them confidence. Uh, it doesn't really, it's, it's gotta be intrinsic. All, while we can't really build up their confidence that much, we can tear it down with a word, with an emotion. We can tear it down so quick. And, and that's the reason so many kids, I mean, for years now, Kevin, you know, statistically, by the time kids reach 14, they're dropping out of organized sports at like 70, 75% clip. And always, year after year, the number one reason is not fun anymore. Well, why is it not fun? There's one reason it's the word adult. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, there's a belt. <laughs> yeah, that's yours this time. <laughs> hey, hey, Mike, come on, man. What's wrong with your dog? <laughs> <laughs> that's your dog. <laughs> So, hey, uh, hey, he didn't like what dog didn't, didn't like what I just said, I guess. Hey, I got
0: hey I'm gonna call a 30. Okay. <laughs>
1: oh man,
0: I had to
2: call a timeout in my podcast, man. What's going on here? Oh <laughs> uh, uh, hey. well, yeah, I mean, but adults can, I mean, adults is what ruins it. And they you know, the the research shows kids say it's it's because of bad experience with parents and sure. coaches. I mean, come on! That's so true, Mike. I, I can
0: give you a lot of stories on that. Uh, and not only that, parents. This is maybe a separate topic, but parents coaching their kid. There comes a time when you got to break loose. I know you probably experienced. Do uh, you feel like some of the biggest issues are parents not letting go and allowing others to coach? I see that big time at my level.
2: Yeah, and. You can't. I mean, I understand from a parent. I mean, it's you know you're well-meaning. I mean, you want the best for your child with anything, but in sports, I mean, it's it. Sometimes there is time just to let go, and uh you know I can say something to a a, a boy or a girl that their mom or dad's been telling them for weeks and weeks or months and months. They don't do it. I can say it one time, and all of a sudden. They do it. It's just coming from that different person. And and I have moms tell me all the time, yeah, they just, they just, my daughter just tells me to be quiet because I don't know basketball. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, well, it's just you just have to do it. I mean, my yeah. son, my daughter played basketball. I coached her when she was younger to AU and and uh and then on up and until she got into school and I just said, it's not my job anymore, you know and then my son he ended up playing baseball i helped him with baseball because i was a good pitcher and hitter i mean i helped him with that and uh and and football you know being a multi-sport athlete growing up because back in that day you you played everything you you know football baseball basketball football baseball basketball and it developed into you know i could i helped him for so long and then got to a point i actually you know i sent him to get lessons in different things and uh so i just it just wasn't, it wasn't my lane, so, but yeah, I think parents can get a little, a little out of control, and, uh, and you can usually tell at games, obviously, you can always tell, not usually, you can always tell, yeah. yeah, and when the parents are just, bless their hearts, they're just way too involved, and me too, and I've actually, I've, I mean, I've actually said things to parents before, I was at a game, I didn't have a dog in that fight, and I was just watching this game, And this parent's his dad on the front row, not only yelling at his daughter, but yelling out instructions to the other players, screaming until they would look at him. Yeah. And I finally, I just went, and I said, sir, I said, you're not helping. I said, you're really not, you're hindering They're trying. They can't listen to you and the coach. I said, you're just not helping you understand. You think you are, but you're just not. And, uh, and so, I mean, or they're yelling at referees, or they're actually yelling to coach.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, I use this illustration. I was at a game a couple years back, and there was this one parent, and she was just the whole time screaming at refs, screaming at players, screaming at coach, just one of those really, one of those. And I didn't, I didn't, I thought so, but I wasn't real sure until after the game. A gentleman stood up behind her, and he didn't have his coaching, he didn't have his college stuff on but he was a few rows behind her. He said, he said, ma'am, I'm really not supposed to talk to you. He said, but I'm going to do this for your benefit and for your daughter's benefit. Said I was here to possibly recruit your daughter hmm. based on some, some told, people told me how good she was, but after seeing your behavior, we're not going to. Wow. And you, and yeah, and I'm, I'm like, Whoa. And, but it was good that the coach said that. I mean, cause hopefully, you know, she didn't do that anymore. But I mean, they do mean well, and and but there is a time you just you just have to say okay, they'll learn better someplace else, and they usually do. Yeah,
0: that's a great message. Matter of fact, I need to record that and send that to a lot of uh, (laughs) parents. I I do feel like parents need to be educated on what's how to be a sport parent. I I think that's undervalued because Mike, how many times? I and I I've been coaching a long time. Uh, I have front row parents. I have front row parents that they sit in their same seat all the time. and um, But, you know, it's over time that, you know, I try to develop a good relationship with them. So uh, so they are not coaching them on the sideline. Because that, that really hinders the kid's progress. Because a, don't you feel a kid cannot be 50%, 50-50, has to be 100% involved with the coach,
2: particularly during the game? Oh, yeah, most definitely. And, the, you know, again, it, it goes to me it goes back to the central nervous system the brain especially of a young child and it and then again it could be college down but we know we mostly talk about high school middle school they can only handle so much information coming in at one time and so when they're trying to listen to the coach and that's why you know my philosophy is you know as a coach you can't really be spewing out a lot of information on the sidelines because right. they're out there in the chaos of the game and you're screaming at them and they're trying to make decisions and it causes them to have to think a little more, which causes them to slow down, then they make more mistakes and then you yell more. But you know with parents, you know it's the same thing they they just overload their child and then their child makes mistakes, coach takes them out, and the parent gets mad at the coach.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: but uh yeah it's uh it, it it definitely gets a a little out of hand and I, and I, I allow all my parents to come into my training sessions mm-hmm. because a lot of what I say to players, I relate it to how their parents should act on the sidelines and I, and some, and I, and I tell my parents and I, I email them, I give them resources, you know, changing the game project with, uh, with John Sullivan stuff. And, uh, and let them go read some articles on how to be, you know, a sport parent. And basically just, I mean, I, and I've had parents tell me said, Mike, she goes, I, I've had, I used to be that person. I used to be that yeller and screamer and I used to get my child in the car and, and again, research says.
0: Man, it's such a pleasure to be on Championship Vision Podcast, one of the premier podcasts for top high school coaches and rising coaches in the game of basketball. My name is Michael Williams, and I'm the founder of the Williams Advancement Agency. WAA is a full-service agency here to assist all coaches at every level to be successful in the position they are now and obtain the future coaching position they are looking for.
2: The kids say the worst part of athletics is the back seat. The drive home.
1: Yeah.
2: And so this one, one particular mom stands out to me. She said, she goes, Mike, when you told me that all I needed, all I should be saying is I love watching you play. Mm -hmm. Then the kid knows that you love them, not because how many stats they have or their performance, but because they're your kid. And she said, you know, once I started doing that, it was, I, I enjoyed the game more. Uh, but I, she goes, I also begin to really see other parents do what I used to do. She goes, then I began to think how embarrassing that was, <laughs> you know, but it made a big difference in her, but you know, you got to educate
0: the parents too. You got to educate the parents, part of your parents meeting, part of your yeah. relationships that you build. I think, uh, I did, I did speak, uh, sometimes I, I speak to some older coaches from the, um, and it's like, you know, my way or the highway and. I don't believe that's a, that's the case. I think nowadays, especially Mike, is um, you got to really build relationships with your players and your parents, um, because
2: that's what hey people nowadays they want to know the why, correct? Oh, oh, big time, big time, and and I think you know, and you got to have rules, and and you know the different podcasts and books I've read, you know, coaches have a lot of ideas on. You know the 24 hour rule of not talking to parents after and you know I like that because that's usually you know pretty people are pretty heated at that point because mm-hmm. I've seen parents corner coaches after games and just ream them out you know because their little Johnny or Susie got taken out or didn't get to play much. Right. Uh you know and that stuff's uncalled for. Um, but yeah it's uh those those relationships these days and you're gonna you're always gonna have that parent that you just can't seem to get through
1: That's exactly yeah
2: but you know it's still your responsibility and uh you sure you may have to be a little bit more stern or a little bit more something uh years back uh when i had and i when i had a parent meeting one time when i was kind of involved in some coaching and and i and i was and i told him i said look i said if any I'll, I'll have some some people sitting around or it'll be me with a bag of lollipops <laughs> if somebody comes over and hands you a lollipop, you know that you're probably yelling and screaming at your kid too much, <laughs> and you probably ought to put it in your mouth and use it, you know, sure,
0: it's a good idea, Mike,
2: yeah, you know, so it's kind of a little subtle, you know, but uh I, I don't I ever to I'm gonna add that, in. I'm gonna add that I
1: know.
0: in
2: I don't think I ever had to use them, but parents knew okay. they were there. <laughs> 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 I could just hold up the bag maybe and shake it around, and
0: I love it i love it. I knew I would get something from you, coach. <laughs> That's a great point right there. Um, hey, let's get into I, – I shouldn't say this, but, hey, go Warriors. Okay. I, I shouldn't say that right now, though. Not yet. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, I got to change all my colors now. But uh, I'll yeah. leave that one alone. Um, hey, talk about your player development uh, that you're doing right now. Give, give us an example. Uh, obviously, you're not going to mention any names. But tell us a player. Let's say, like, how do you approach – because basketball is a multi-skill game, Mike. You, I mean you can pick pick apart any player. What are you doing right now with your kids? What do you well, how do you focus on what to
2: work on? Uh well, I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not I'm, I'm not a, a a workout guy, so to speak. In other words, hmm. to me, quality's number one, like I said earlier. And so I don't have big, I don't hold camps, I don't have uh, I don't do one or two day clinics mm-hmm. uh, again with shooting, especially, which I'm really good at. I um, mean, I think I'm probably the top shooting coach in, the, in, in the state. Cause I mean, I I routinely produce those 40 plus three point shooters, 80 plus free throw shooters. Uh, you know, I, I look at, I look at that and uh, but I typically – I keep my group small. I'll, I won't have more than six in a session. I'll do privates at one-on-one sometimes, which I I do that for shooting. Anything else, they need to have a defender. I mean, I, mean, I can still play defense, but, hey, I'm going to end up wearing myself out after several hours of sessions. So right. my, most of my sessions are probably two to four kids. So I can really, really pay attention to them. And so – but what I'll do, I actually do – evaluations so before i accept somebody into my training academy i'll actually have if i haven't seen them play already if i haven't gotten huddle you know or game film or haven't just been to their games i will actually have them come in and do an evaluation on them and in that evaluation i mean i'll have them and i'll have you know i'll record them i'll record them shooting free throws and slow motion Uh, from several different angles but really what I look at number one is how they move because anybody in my kids I even had a kid get me a mug a coffee mug with movement matters on it because I say movement matters all the time okay Uh, movement matters the more you have to move the more it matters and basketball is a game of movements and so if a kid kids these days they don't. They're rarely multi-sport athletes anymore, mm-hmm. so they don't get that diversity of movement, and they don't they don't get out and free play like they used to, uh, and so most. I mean, I have kids sometimes, high school kids, that can't even skip, or they can't uh, yeah. can't balance on one leg, or they can't spin in a circle on one leg. You know, a full pivot. You know, without falling over. So a lot of what I do is movement-based. The way physiologically, you know, it starts coordination, develops into balance, develops into control. So, and we know coordination starts with the feet. It's ground up. And so I spend a lot of time making sure kids move properly. And I tell them it's your footwork that makes your game work. It's your footwork makes your shot work. It makes your passes work. It makes your moves work. If you don't have good balance and control, it really, it doesn't make sense to me to work on other stuff. (laughs) It just doesn't. Because I can, most of the time, if somebody comes to me for shooting, I never look at the waist up first. I mean, I'll record them and all that kind of stuff. and i I can usually watch a kid shoot two or three shots, and I kind of know where they need some tweaks here and there. But I'm always looking at the waist down because it's the waist down. If you can correct some movement inefficiencies, it's amazing how that corrects the waist up. And so because it just it's just the way it flows. so my pro, my progression is starting with the move, with the feet first and develop them. And I'll do, and it, we'll do stuff with the ball, but it's more movement based than it is anything else. And I tell kids all the time, because we might go through a ton of sessions. Well, you know, a ton of sessions, maybe, uh, if I'm, if I'm working on shooting, which I do with, cause I haven't hardly, I haven't had anybody come to me that was a good shooter already. <laughs> I mean, why would they be coming usually? Right. And, uh, and so I always start with shooting first to get that foundation because you if you can't put it in a basket at an efficient rate, you're not playing. I mean, I'm sure you can you can be that that you know six, two, six, four, six, five girl or the six ten guy. Yeah, you can't shoot outside the lane. You're gonna play, obviously, because your physical attributes, but then you, you know you might get a, a pass at the top of the key or even just beyond the free throw line and your defenders in the paint laughing at you because they know you can't shoot Mm -hmm. so i always work on the shooting first but within that it starts with the feet and i do a lot of you know ball pickup drills i do a lot of things where they're having to fight for their feet and you've probably heard that before Mm -hmm. you're trying to put your feet in the floor with speed and force and i tell kids all the time if you want to instantly, without even working on your technique, but you can really increase your percentages, your efficiencies, all that stuff just by increasing your balance and control. And you know, you see these trainers, and you see these because uh, you see them on social media, see the kids put their clips on social media, they're doing the step backs, the fadeaways, they're doing runners, they're doing Euros. And what I try to tell my kids I said look and I and I got this from a um, an NBA anal, an analytics guy and I wish I could find it again. I'm trying to find the information on it so if anybody knows I'd love to have it. but he had said that the runner and the Eurostep are two of the most inefficient mm-hmm. when you talk about efficient efficiencies you know points per possession, that kind of stuff right, sure. they are the most inefficient shots in the pro game so if the elite of the elite can't shoot a runner efficiently why in god's name are we teaching that to middle schoolers to high schoolers why because it looks cool if it goes in every now and then and uh i had a girl one time that she came to me she was a guard point guard And I had other girls on her team and had been training at this particular high school, a lot of girls on their teams over the years. And this one, I mean, she was a runner at it. Mm -hmm. I mean, she loved it. I mean, she was short and she figured or probably somebody told her that you had to develop a runner. I would go watch their games and I would count how many runners she took (laughs) and it would go anywhere from eight to 12 to 14 runners. And she would make one or Mm 2 And so I always, I always tell my kids there's nothing worse than a t- confident 20% three-point shooter or a confident <laughs> right. 10% runner shooter because the way I look at runners and euros, step backs, all that kind of stuff, is the more off balance you are, mm-hmm. the more you're having to move the lower your efficiency is gonna be. That's just, that's common sense. So I don't get why we teach it. So I'll progress through the footwork first. That's ground floor, fundamental. And I do some pretty, as we go along, I'll get into some pretty elaborate footwork stuff. And it's really taxing. I mean, I'll have some college kids come back. I just had one the other day, one of my freshmen, she came back for a session and and I had her in here and she's just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't do this, hmm. you know? And I, and here I have, I have some, you know, girls that have been with me a while or even young guys that have been with me a while. I'm talking seventh graders, eighth graders, and they'd run circles around her with footwork. Mm-hmm. And so if, you know, I so I'll pro progress through the footwork and then eventually I'm getting into the mechanics part of it, the technique part of it. Uh, I used to be real strict on that, uh, on the shooting and this, that, and the other. But the way I've learned, and I, as far as I know, I'm probably the only one that teaches it this way. Uh, and it may be, I just don't pay attention to the same thing a lot of coaches pay attention with shooting, and it's worked out really well. And uh, so, and that's why I'm real consistent on how with my kids being able to shoot great. Uh, currently, in Gwinnett County, the current and Former, because the current girl I trained beat the former girl I trained, they have the public school career three-point record. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it works. And so anyway, so I'll progress through that. And once we get through that, and as you know, Kevin, what's the three most efficient shots in the game? you got the free throw Mm -hmm. as far as points per possession. you got free throw and then threes and anything around the basket. The basket, sure. So that's, that's really all I focus on. Now I understand in high school and I even tell my kids, you know, you get a wide open shot. If it's a two, you don't pass them up. I mean, wide open shots are too hard to come by. So you don't pass them up as the problem gets into when they're shooting with a hand, right in their face. And right. I try to explain to them, And, again, the more you have to move, the more it matters. So if you're dribbling one or two times, three times, God forbid, eight or ten times and all those combo moves into that step back, you know, you can't expect to make those at a high percentage. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the progression I'll go through. And I'll, I'll go into the finishes. Again, it's all about because movement matters, you're trying to get the even amount of power. It's physics. You get the even amount of power and energy flowing through both feet evenly, up through your hips, up through your shoulders. You're gonna increase your percentages. It's when they get this way, get this way, they're turning too much and, you know, doing all the crazy stuff they're being taught these days. You know, I'm sorry, you know, when trainers say, come to me, I'll teach your kid like a pro, train like a pro, I tell parents to run away from those guys. We don't have little pros. I'm sorry. They're not physically, mentally, emotionally, none of that, nowhere close to a pro. And they can't be taught that way. So that's kind of how i progress yeah. through it.
0: Yeah. I love that. And uh, I want to share with you a story. I want you to give me some feedback. Uh, I have, uh, and you probably know her Destiny McClendon she's going to university of Tennessee Chattanooga. Yeah. She played uh, with me in the ninth grade. Yeah. A uh, great kid. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I had noticed though that, Uh, And this is where I think trainers and coaches need to coordinate together because I teach – I'm very simple. I teach shooting off the hop, two feet, quick uh, turn in the air, all that. And then I also teach power layups. So when somebody's going in there to the rim, you need to jump off two feet because if not at the girls' level, you're going to get bounced around if you're going off one. But it was hard the changer – on these euro steps he's one-footed and she would get knocked even her was getting knocked around a little bit how can you coordinate with these trainers on trying to because you know what the trainers are doing a lot of times will come into our practices and that's not what
2: we teach how can we coordinate together well I think that's on that's on the trainer that is to me I mean that's all on me you know if I because if I Course, i I'm with you though. I mean, you know, I'm talking off 2 feet. If it's if it's going to be even closely contested around the basket, get off 2 feet. Off 2 feet, sure. I mean, there's just there's you can you can't pump fake off one. You know, referees, I tell I tell my kids, referees reward control. Mhm. And they actually, you know, I think 2 seasons back, the referees received an email that told them that if a player's driving to the basket out of control, and they weren't going to make that shot anyway, don't bail them out with a foul mm-hmm. because that's what was happening. That's what kids kind of count on. They'll go in out of control, just sling something up, and hope they get fouled. Right. And, and referees were bailing them out too much. So I'm with you about going off two feet. Uh, uh, to me, I tell my kids, if you're getting pressure, make them pay for it. I, you know, you focus on the finish, don't focus on the foul. Mm-hmm. But you better make them pay for that pressure. And, uh, and so to me, it's on the trainer. So if some, if somebody comes to me, I will contact the coach because I had, you know, when they sign up with me, they'll fill out a little, just a little info form. And I have, and I ask for their coach's name and phone name, phone number, and email. And so I will, if I don't already know them, you know, a lot of them in Gwinnett County, I already do. And, you know, they refer kids to me all the time, but I'll, I'll contact them and say, if I haven't seen them play, I say, you know, if you want to send me some huddle on them, let me see what they're doing. Or if they're not playing much, you're going to need them next year. What what role do you need them in? And so I'll find out from the coach that way, and then that's what i work on. I mean, I'll still work on some other things uh, because ultimately, if a child, if a player comes to me and says that they have a goal to play in college, I am getting them ready for college. And I figure if I can do that, high school will pretty much take care of itself. Because I think high school coaches want kids to play like they're going to have to play in college. Right now we have trainers teaching kids like they're going to go play on the N one circuit all the time. (laughs) And so they're teaching them, the off balance runners and stuff. And again, because it looks cool, it's fun for the kids, but I'm, I'm sorry. I cannot teach kids a shot that's inefficient. Mm -hmm. I just can't do it. And and the sad part is parents don't realize it. They don't know. So, you know, I'm educating my parents. I'm, you know, all this stuff, my parents hear all the time. And so, you know, as a, as a, as a trainer, I've got to contact that coach. And it's like I'm – there's a couple schools I go to right now. Uh, I drive just about an hour to go, you know, work with these teams. And uh, and I find out from them. I'm an, it's mainly shooting, but I'm still incorporating other things in there that the coach kind of wants.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, so that's kind of what I'm doing for them. But, you know, for me to go in to as a – to in, to come to your program. So, Mike, I want you to come in. Well, for me to come in, blow in, blow up, blow out—I mean, what good is that? And and that's why I don't like, you know, shooting you know, camp weekends and stuff, and because I'm—you can't—or eight-week programs to this or six-week programs to this, you know. On one hand, we like to talk about long-term player development, mm-hmm. yet we package these things as if short-term player development works. And so that doesn't make sense to me. And I see – I mean, even the top, top guys do it. And I know it because it sells. You know what? You can't sell a package and say, okay, buy this, and three years later you're going to be really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, people want the four-minute abs or the – you know, they want to go do one one bench press and all of a sudden be all swollen bulky. And it just doesn't work that way. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm very respectful to coaches that way. Uh I mean, again, I've been at this a long time. I've got a lot of thoughts, a lot of ideas. I'll, I'll, I'll go sit in on some coaches' practice. I, they'll ask me, they say, "Won't you come sit in and watch a practice and tell me what you think?" And I'll do that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to offer it unless they ask me. Sure. I mean, that's not my place. And so I'll just, ch- I'll just try to get their kids as, as good as I can get them in the role that they need them in. And if the kid says, "Well, I don't, I, I don't, I want to be able to do more than that." Well, the thing is, you got to earn your role, you know, if your role is that glue guy, but you want to be that leading uh, go to person, well, you've got to earn it. And, uh, and I, I just don't think you earn it running up and down a, you know, a basketball court all all summer long. So, you know, you got to games are good, but you've got to add something else to it. So.
0: Yeah, the kids are playing a lot of games these days um, yeah. as compared to like the European model where the, kid, the practice to the play is a lot higher, yes. um, which I agree with personally yes. on that. Um, Mike, talk about versatility because I- I'm going to explain what I do in my player development. My players are versatile in the post, so my guards can go into the post. Uh, I'm consistent on how we pivot, square up. Everybody's learning the same stuff. Pretty much. Oh. I believe in versatility. I don't believe I had a six foot girl this year, Piper Bozart. She can go out, she can step out to the perimeter and hit threes. Of course, I I kept her inside a lot, but yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not stupid, but she, she can handle the ball against the press, everything. Don't you believe versatility is important?
2: Yeah, it is. And I mean, I saw y'all play a couple times and uh, your shooting was amazing. <laughs> I tell you, y'all could, y'all could drain some threes. That's for sure. Uh, and it was unf- I was, I was, I was I'm not as disappointed as you, I'm sure, but I really thought y'all were going to go a little bit deeper than you did. I thought y'all probably go all the way. Uh, but you know, it happens. Um, yeah, we'll leave that I, one alone, Mike. Yeah, let's leave that one alone. You're, I are <laughs> yeah, not full time out. Yeah, let's not pick at that wound, right? That's right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm the same weight. I don't care how tall a player is that comes to me, male or female. I'm working with them from the outside in. I had a 6'10 guy and uh, worked with him from the outside in. And uh, because – and he was he was a good three – he he turned out to be a good three-point shooter. But his high – his small little school he was in, at 6'10, you're playing inside. Right. And then uh, he played four years in college. And all he was was a, you know, a pick guy. I mean, he just set screens and – I mean, he did a lot of rebounding. He's like third in the conference in rebounds and things like that. But they pretty much ruined him. He's playing overseas and has been for several years. But they pretty much ruined him for the pro game. The way the pro game is for big guys. Sure. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm the same way. Now I will, I will, get a a player as versatile as I can, uh, and then especially at younger ages, uh, I'm not. I I don't. I really don't work with kids unless they're rising seventh graders or older. Uh, There's the whole puberty issue, trying to work with kids (laughs) pre-puberty and stuff. You know, things can just, everything I can put into them is going to disappear or possibly. And so I work with them a little bit older. At the younger ages, I try to get them as versatile as possible. Um, And then as they get older, then there might be one or two things that we'll really, really focus on mm-hmm. to make that strength even stronger. But at the same time, you can't neglect other stuff. And, uh, and also, you know, you got a six-foot girl. Well, yeah, in high school, she's going to be under the basket. Mm-hmm. But if she's really good, you know, you're talking a three at, the, at a strong Division One level.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, but at a Division Two, maybe, you know, she could be a stretch four, but so it just, you know, you kind of have to, I have to kind of look at all that stuff and what they may play, you know, be able to reach and what college level. Uh, But the versatile versatility is really key. And, uh, and I don't really have any parents or even coaches that tell me, no, I don't want you teaching them something because I'm not going to use them there. Right. Uh, And probably even if they did, you know, I would tell, I would tell that player, look, We're working 90% of what your coach wants, but we're doing this other stuff too because it will help you over time. You may not ever have the opportunity in high school to use it because he might not be playing you in that position, but eventually we're going to expand it and it's going to pay off later. You know, so, you know, sometimes parents and coaches will say, I mean, parents and players say, well, my coach won't let me do this. I say, well, don't do it. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not here to coach you. And you're on your high school team. That's not my job. You know, my job is to try to get you so good that your coach will see it and he'll expand your role. Mm-hmm. Because every coach wants to win. You know, if I've got a kid that's that's six, a girl, six, two, six, three, and she can knock down in games 40%. Yeah, he's not gonna keep her from popping out. I mean, he won't let her stay out there and do a five out all the time. But, you know, but that girl also, if I have her shooting 40% from threes, she can probably also attack off that and finish strong off the bat with one or two dribbles at the rim off two feet. And she can knock down free throws. So, you know, that's, again, those three shots, I'm working with everybody. And to me, that's the versatility. I used to spend a lot of time, Kevin. I used to spend a lot of time. With a whole lot of ball handling drills, uh, a whole lot of triple threat, jab jab this that and the other, and about and and I really threw all that out the window when I got involved with Brian McCormick, mm-hmm. you know, and his, you know, your most uh, uh, open off the catch, you know, if you stand there and hold the ball, you're just pretty much letting everybody get ready, the defense getting set up, not only your defender but everybody else's. So standing there, that that's a you know we have coaches all the time that say we just don't move the ball enough and yet in practice, they don't make them move the ball
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know and we've got a particular if I have four or five kids in a in a session, we do a, a a thing called swing swing and I'll put four or five out and one in the basket they'll get the rebound, I have them call for the outlet, and they'll swing that ball around wicked quick and the last one in the corner catches and the shoots but I teach them to have ball in the air, feet in the air on the pass, on the catch to shoot. So they're not catching it, looking around, then passing, or catching it, stepping into it to pass. I I said, because in a game, if you're a three-point shooter in the corner and you're wide open because your help is in the lane and that ball takes forever to get back to you or the person that catches it right before you decides to stop, look around, then pass, it's all over that the shot's gone and uh, and to me that's that's a lot of decision making too so it's uh, that's a real that's a real big thing i'm focusing on right now to me shot selection is decision making that is to me the most important shot I mean, the most important decision a player can make on the court is should i or should not i not take this shot mm-hmm. And it's amazing to me with kids these days in high school that have access to huddle, have access to all of their stats, and they have no clue what their three-point percentage is, their field goal percentages are, even their free throw percentages. And I tell them, I said, you're, if you're that go-to player, the one that you're the leading scorer, you're the go-to player, That does not absolve you from the responsibility of still taking your most efficient shots. I mean, I've seen players, the go-to players in the last couple minutes of a game, because they're behind a few points, all of a sudden it's like they lose all concept of what a good shot is. I mean, they're taking twisting runners and running threes and step backs. And, I mean, you've seen it. Mm -hmm. It's that stress and chaos of the end of the game, that pressure Mm -hmm. that causes them to just lose it. And I tell my players, if you don't know what your two most efficient shots are in the game, early in the season, sure, you might not have a really great idea. But if you played the year before, you probably do. But you need to know what those two most efficient shots are. And you need to work your butt off to get those two shots that's your responsibility. And if all the players on a team know what each others two best shots are, then they're going to help each other get those. So if I, you know, if I get a ball at the three-point line and I know I'm a 35% three-point shooter, mm-hmm. which that's about the same as a 50% two, yeah, but I've got a teammate in the corner that's at 40, why am I shooting that ball?
3: I don't care what my mom and dad Hey, coaches. This is Nick Bartlett, marketing manager here at Dr. Dish Basketball, and we're thrilled to be a part of the 2020 Championship Vision Virtual Clinic. Coach Kevin Furtado has been a great friend of ours for a few years now, and we greatly appreciate his commitment to growing the game the right way and providing great resources to the basketball coaching community. At Dr. Dish, we're always here to help as well with our state-of-the-art equipment, drills, and content. If you're ready to upgrade to the best training machines in the world and join top programs like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, Louisville, and countless others, we'd love to have you as a part of the Dr. Dish family. Remember, we take trade-ins on all shooting machines, including competitors, for significant discounts. And just by registering for this clinic, you're eligible to receive an additional exclusive $300 off your next Dr. Dish purchase. For more information, visit our website at drdishbasketball.com, give us a call, or shoot me an email directly at nick at drdishbasketball.com and make sure to follow us on all social media channels at drdishbball.
2: Daddy is saying that I need to shoot more okay so it comes down to that to me is the ultimate decision in a game is should I or should I not be taking this shot and you need to know that going in and it's just today's game and I think it's just with the social media, it's just with the recognition, with stats, you know, the rankings, all that stuff combined, trainers, whatever, it comes down to kids are taking shots because they have pressure to take it, Mm -hmm. whether it's efficient or not. And the thing is, they don't feel bad when they take them and miss them. I've had players, I've heard players say, that well that's just not my game you know they're they love runners they love this they love to you know euros they love to try to do multi moves it's, and you know said so, well you you don't need to do that well that's my game i, I that I, that doesn't compute with me and to me if, and i'll ask a player i said do you do you want to play in college well yeah of course i do then why not play in high school how they're going to expect you to play in college me that's pretty simple but it goes back i think one of the biggest challenges is we have parents (laughs) and we have trainers that's right that are teaching kids otherwise and i tell these kids you're not going to make the espn top 10 Mm -hmm. you don't get extra points because you put a little razzle dazzle on your shot you get two or three points that is it and and trying to my, – my, I guess my ultimate purpose, Kevin, is to change the game, at least in my little world, as it relates to shot selection. Shot selection, decision-making. You know, because I know that's what college coaches want.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, it's – That's a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. We can go on and on about that, I think. But that's up to – to me, that's a head coach's responsibility. you got to know each player has their role on shot selection. Um, And that's a head coach's job, man. If they're not doing it, then, hey, then, um, the bench can be a
2: really good teacher. (laughs) The bench can be a good teacher for a coach.
0: Very good, very good teacher. Yes.
2: But here's the, and and I get this, but here's the challenge. Mm -hmm. You know, if you tick off little Johnny or Susie's parents, they're going someplace else That's true. or they're going to go complain to the AD. So as a high school coach, I can't imagine how how that how hard that is sometimes. Because do you stick with what's best for your team and your values and what you believe, or are you going to cave a little bit because you don't want your star player leaving? You know.
1: Yeah, that's but a great. Problem,
2: point. But that's the really problem fun. is, the other players aren't stupid. They they see what's going on. They know if there's, there's kids out there shooting they they shoot the most threes on a, on the team and they're at 18% or they've got the most, tur- and they're not, and nothing's ever said to them. Nothing's ever corrected. Mm-hmm. The other kids know that. So then the kids, the other players lose respect for that player, their teammate, and they lose respect for the coach. Mm-hmm. And then the coach is demanding trust. So, I mean, it's it's a tough it's a tough challenge.
0: It's a very tough challenge. I think that goes back to relationships, though, um, and uh, something you have to build in. It's something you have to. You, it goes. It just goes back to the hard work and building those relationships and teaching kids what's the right right way to play. Um, mm-hmm.
2: And that's hard work, man. Coaching's not easy. I, t- I tell you well, that. And again, I, I, when you're when you're one when you're one coach, and you're up against two parents, one or two parents. And a trainer? <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. It is tough. Because they're telling that kid, oh, don't listen to your coach. They're not playing <laughs> you like you should be. They're, they don't know what you can do. They don't this. They don't that. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one.
0: That's a very tough one. That's a whole other podcast right there, man. <laughs> that's um,
2: above my pay
0: grade. Woo. I, I got to tell you. Um, but it's happening everywhere because I talk to coaches from all over the country and so forth. Um, but I do think coaches have to hold their ground, though. I spoke to a coach last night from Monican High School in Virginia, is one of the top programs, and he says, "Coach, I've had players leave my program uh, because they can't play within the certain style that I have." Uh, but not not all of us can do that. We don't have the tremendous numbers that he has. Um, so it, it's
2: it's a it's a tough road for head coaches, but that's all part of the job. Yeah, and I I really think, you know, parents. They're not they're not unreasonable. Mm -hmm. You know, probably one or two percent might be. But you know, if if as a coach, if you can just sit down and and explain to them, a lot of times parents are frustrated because there's no communication. And you know, and the coach doesn't want to communicate, they don't want to deal with the quote unquote drama or whatever. But to me, most parents are they're gonna be reasonable. And if you sit down with them and say, look, here's what I'm seeing. Because I hear all the time, because, again, you might have a kid goes home and tells his parents, oh, I make all my shots in practice or I do really good in practice, uh, but I don't ever get to play in a game. Well, the problem is they're great practice players, and a lot of players are because their teammates play buddy ball. They don't play hard on them on defense. They don't really play because they don't want to show them up. They don't want to make them look bad in, in practice in front of the coach especially girls, you know, girls are a lot more, you know, emotionally attached to each other. And, you know, if a girl ticks off their teammate in practice, well, they might not talk to them for a week. You know, guys will beat each other up and then go have a good time after practice. Right. But no, but because the, pra- they're good practice players and then they get in games and they fall apart. Well, the coach, coach sees that. And, but the parents don't. And so I think, you know, if the coaches can, you know, it sure. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. Uh, it might take some arguments. I don't know, but I think in the long run, co- parents are going to be reasonable about it. They're going to understand it. And if not, they leave. I mean, they leave. And and there's just not much else you can do. I mean, that's why there's over a thousand girls right now in the transfer portal. So for sure. You know, I just saw that ten girls from Syracuse are now in it. What? Wow. I know. How does that? I, so something's going on somewhere. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard to. Um, the the problem I guess is that everybody has opportunities, and you can. I think they made the transfer rule more difficult, where you got to actually sit out and lose a year of eligibility. That would change everything, but that's not going to happen.
2: I don't know. It might change. <laughs> um i think it'll be be a free for all all. it'll be a free for all if it does change and they just wave it yeah i just i can't imagine it because i think it would just kill coaches i mean i just i don't know hopefully not but yeah that's a whole nother topic above my pay grade too so yeah that's a tough one right there hey coach before you go um uh, give us kind of your favorite i
0: every every trainer probably has some favorite drills that they use or teaching uh, methods that you use and so forth when you're working with players. Uh, what are some of the things that you do you feel like is kind of a staple in your program?
2: Uh, well, I would, let's, I'll talk about shooting. Okay. Uh, so as far as shooting goes, I know a lot of coaches and a lot just everybody is uh, talks about, you know, the elbow and how important the elbow is. you got to keep it under the ball and keep it in and that kind of stuff. So, you know, kids kind of, you know, focus on that, and uh, I never talk about the elbow, because to me, that's not where, that's not what directs the ball, and so, uh, because to me, if, you know, I always, the two two most important parts of a shot, to me, are rhythm and wrist, okay, and Mm -hmm. even without good rhythm, if you have the the wrist, you're going to be pretty, you're going to be pretty well off, rhythm just makes your, makes it even more efficient. But to me, you know, if, if my finger's the rim, if my wrist is lined up to the rim, mm-hmm. you know, my my elbow is going to be where it's supposed to be. Sure. So if I'm holding the ball correctly, I got my hand balanced, you know, and I've got it, you know, where the ball where it should be, then if I'm as long as I'm parallel to the rim, I'm good. But if I hold the ball on the side or my or my forehead shooter, I'm no longer parallel to the rim. Mm-hmm. And so my elbow flies out and that causes, you know, all kind of other issues. So, you know, I really work a lot on focusing on the wrist cuz that's the last major joint that affects the flight of the ball. To me, if it goes left, it goes right, it just depends on what the wrist is doing, right? And uh so that's one of my one of my top priorities I work on is focus on the wrist. It's the it's the end of the shot first type thing. I work on the end first. And uh, it just happens to be the most you know, influential part of the shot. And then on the rhythm, you know, I work on the rhythm. And one thing that, uh, you know, I've learned over the years, uh, as far as, you know, from being a personal trainer, you know, back in the day, uh, is that, you know, we like to tell kids in games, you know, if they're short on their shots, on their free throws, you know, we hear everybody screams at them, bend your knees more, Mm -hmm. you know, get lower. Well, physiologically, that's, that's not how you generate more power. It's not how deep you go. It's not the depth of the movement. Again, back to movement matters. It's not the depth of the movement. It's the quickness of the movement. Uh That's why you see guys that dunk a ball, they don't go up there squat real deep because if you, if, if going deeper, going lower gave you more power then why aren't they doing butt to the floor squats, Uh you know, before they jump and dunk. So they do a quarter quick, they just go real quick. And so I teach my kids on the free throw line to Trust the brain. The brain knows their body better than I do, anybody does, and their brain will self organize with their body. And if they will just go quick, I don't mean rush, but they just barely unlock their knees, barely unlock their hips, get set, and get a quick rhythm bounce, their brain's not going to let them go too deep. And it, because the brain's making that calculation, how far it's got to go, all that kind of stuff. It knows how much power is gonna be in the upper part. So the brain's gonna just it'll go just deep enough. And it's like shooting threes, you know, especially with girls, they don't bend their knees real deep when they shoot threes. You just watch them, the brain knows they gotta go quick.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So with the rhythm and wrist, that's two of the things I focus on in shooting. Uh I don't I used to be real strict on 10 toes to the rim, square this, square that, don't turn. Yes. To me, that's like straining at gnats, you know. And if, again, my best three-point shooter uh, was a girl at 48%. She was 88% from the free throw line. Would have been 100, but she missed two free throws, I think, in the last couple games. Uh, And uh, she's playing college ball as a sophomore. But, you know, doing it that way and having a broad range – you know, of, of movements for a player. I just don't get so bent out of shape to me. There's not a perfect technique. There's not a perfect movement. You know, there's no, to me, you can't practice till it's perfect because why do you want to get perfect? That means you're not growing anymore. And, uh, so I like to do those kind of things that and the footwork stuff. I'll do a lot of footwork stuff that really challenges balance and to get them back on balance to pop into that shot, even through both feet. Because if you can get that even energy through the feet, through the knees, through the hips, through the shoulders, it's going to come out even through the hand. And uh, so movement matters, Kevin. And uh, the brain is movement-based. And athletics are movement-based sports. And I tell my players all the time, your brain doesn't care what you shoot with. You could shoot with a baseball, volleyball, football. It doesn't matter. It operates off movements. So if you get the movement, because that motor pattern, you get that motor pattern right, the movement's gonna take care of itself and it can even finally adjust as you need to. Okay, but you gotta have that movement pattern there. Uh, we do a lot of shooting workouts without a ball
1: because
2: mm-hmm. your brain doesn't know the difference between reality and something that's imagined. And I'll tell my kids lay in bed at night, get you some shots up. And it's so funny. I say, if you lay in bed, you can just lay there, either do the motion or just imagine yourself, visualize yourself doing it. Your brain doesn't know the difference. I say if you shoot 10, 10 free throws that way, I say, how many are you going to make? And so if they pause, I say, oh, wrong answer. It's immediately 10. I'm going to make them all. How many are you going to swish all 10? How many going to have perfect rotation? All 10. Great arc, all 10. But we'll do with my better shooters. We'll do a lot of shooting workouts for about 10 minutes without a basketball because that way, I mean, we're curling, we're coming into shots. We're doing all kinds of stuff because then we can focus on the footwork our balance and control. And we don't have to worry about the outcome.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And besides that, you know, if we go 10 minutes and I, go, I, I get a player go through 50 shots, how many is she making? How many is he making? They're making all 50 of them mentally. So those are kind of some things I love to do. And the kids love it. They buy into it. And, uh, you know, I teach them all kind of other kind of little, what I call brain hacks that they can do at the free throw line or in the game that will help them in, increase percentages without even having to do much. It's just the way the brain works. So, yeah, those are just a couple of things I just – I do and, and love working with the kids. But if they're not moving good, Kevin, it doesn't matter. If they don't have the basic movement skills, basketball-specific skills aren't going to help them.
0: I love that, Mike. Um, we do a lot of wall shooting. I learned uh, my, a lot of my shooting techniques from a guy named uh, Doc Shepler out of California. Uh, to me, one of the best shooting coaches out there. We do a lot of shots off the wall, um, off the dribble, off the, off the uh, square up. Um, and we get about probably about 100, 200 shots in a practice session. Tell me what you think about wall shooting. I just think you get more reps.
2: Yeah, do you use a target on the wall or do you just – We do. We,
0: we set it up about 14 feet. Uh, we also have our girls just pick out targets on the wall. But it's, mo- it's mostly what you're, what you're saying is the footwork. And the yeah, rhythm, yeah. so I, I I believe in the rhythm too. So we teach boom, so, you know, hot cold. As soon as your feet touch, boy, you're going up. And we always shoot everything off two feet. Everything's off a hop. And that's just something I just really believe in, and so yeah. forth. I uh, love to have your love to have your opinion when you come and watch us practice a little bit. Yeah.
2: Well, as far as the wall shots, I used to do them because I had the gym. I had uh, I actually put you know tape you know down in straight lines uh, perpendicular to the floor, Mm -hmm. you know, at a height. And, uh, and then I'd have a piece of tape that lined up with it on the floor, like they're on the free throw line. Sure. And I would have, and just different levels back, but I would have them do it more as a free throw. But you know, when you're at, when you're on the nail, you know, you've got a straight line to the rim. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I was trying to teach my players it's more efficient to go ahead and start the ball on that shot line and keep everything on the shot line. You know, so many players will hold the ball over here, and then they, they come and try to – they have to adjust sure. at the end with yeah. the wrist. And that's hard to have a late wrist adjustment without using two hands. But, yeah, I mean, I would have them shoot the walls. I have them when they come into my gym. They can't shoot baskets. Right. You know, if somebody's already on – if I'm working a session or somebody's shooting on the other goal, they go to the back of the backboard and they're shooting off the backboard. Love it. Yeah. And, uh, if there's no, they'll, or if they get on the front, they just shoot five or six up close and they'll just work their way back. They go from form shooting back to just free throw shooting off the backboard because, you know, we, we warm up our bodies all the time. We stretch, we do this dynamic warm ups. We do all kinds of things, but we don't warm up the motor skills. Mm -hmm. We don't warm up the brain. And so you have to do that. And so I'll have them do all that kind of stuff, you know, before, but yeah, I love the, I love the wall shots. Uh, I actually will have them shoot, you know, the side, if they got the regular backboards, you know, it's about two inches wide on the side. Yeah. You know, I have them start up close. I have them form shooting, hitting the side of the backboard it doesn't give them much room for error. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> and they'll eventually move back and out my top shooters, they'll be at the three point line. It doesn't matter if it's a jump shot or whatever, but they'll nail the side of that thing all the time. It'll just come right back to them. That's when you know your technique's pretty consistent and you're shooting right. that ball straight. Because to me, I tell the kids, I said, you could have perfect rotation, perfect arc, a lot of things perfect, but if you don't shoot it straight, that ball's not going in.
0: Exactly.
2: You know, so uh, the way the body moves, to me it moves in a way that's just natural for a straight shot. And if we'll just let it do what it wants to do and not fight it, it's a lot easier, you know, and, and the hops and the shots, the only thing I do, I do both, Mm -hmm. I, I I won't, I don't teach a jump stop for a jump shot if I'm going at the basket, Mm -hmm. because I haven't seen a kid yet that can go hard, jump straight up in the air and come straight down, they're usually jumping forward in that hop, it's really a jump if it's off two feet, but they're they're landing on two feet in a jump stop for a jump shot. And I, the way I look at that, now, if it's not contested, if there's nobody running at them, sure, they can do it if they want to. But then my question is, if there's nobody coming, why aren't you going to the rim? <laughs> sure. Okay? Instead of shooting a two, go up there and get an and one. But to me, if, if you're jumping, if you're decelerating and jump, do a jump stop for a jump shot, your body's going to carry you forward. And to me, if somebody's closing, you're just helping them close out.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And because you're going to drift forward as you're shooting. And that's the only thing, that's the only time I don't like a player to do a jump stop as if, if it's on a driving jump shot. Otherwise, I love it. I, it's great for rhythm. You know, you get that rhythm bounce, ball in the air, feet in the air, mm-hmm. you know, but that's probably, I guess, going at the basket. It's the only time I don't just because of the drift forward. Yeah, it makes exactly. a lot of sense for sure. Because uh, to me, that you're just helping the defense out at that point,
0: you know. That's a great point,
2: Mike. Mike, before a a on my last
0: question, um, and I think I probably told you that the last one was going to be the last question, but I'm here uh, all day, Kevin. <laughs> I know <laughs> we got to cut it short because I know <laughs> you got to get back to your nap time. That's uh, right. During the day, I know that. Um, hey, talk about they can work with Mike Griggs for hour, two hours. But don't you feel the separator is kids taking your stuff that you teach and working on their own? Are kids doing that? Or is that just, I mean, I I, I don't see it. I think kids need to spend more time on their own rather than somebody else. Uh,
2: You can teach them the correct technique, but they got to do it on their own, right? Oh yeah. I mean, that is a separator. And see, that's where that intrinsic motivation comes from. And I I had to talk with a parent the other day, similar thing. I mean, and this They're doing everything they they're doing, giving this child all the tools that she needs. I mean, kids would die for the stuff that this kid has, and she spends more time on her phone. (laughs) And uh, and so, yeah, I mean, there's so many distractions out there for these kids these days. But uh, that's usually the separator. And you know, and I'm you tell your kids, I tell my kids, I'm sure every trainer, even the ones we would consider mediocre or not very good they're probably still telling them, you got to do this stuff on your own. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I can't really – I mean, there's nothing I can do beyond encouraging them and just saying – I say, you know, you're going to have next season, you can have results or you can have regrets. And so – and I see it every year. I try to encourage some of these players to me with travel ball I'm, I actually I have some coaches I actually refer kids to because I know they're the kind of coaches that are going to treat them right and not be some of the, you know, what kind of AAU coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tell – there's a lot of them I say, look, if you're not using travel ball, you're going to get abused by it. And you've got to have a plan going into it. You just can't go because players are going to stick with what they're comfortable with. And I tell them, especially with shooting, I said, if we're trying to improve your shooting and you've got all these crazy bad habits, when you go play travel ball and you've got all these games over the week, weekend, you're going to stick with what you already know. As crappy as it is, as bad as you know, your percentages are, you're still going to do it because you're comfortable with it. And you think in your mind for some reason, that's a good thing. And so, If you're going to do that, it's going to take you longer to correct your issues, especially if you don't do it on your own. So, yeah, I do. I encourage them. I said, you have got to. If you just come to me once or twice a week, and I require twice a week for about the first three months because it is shooting intensive, and I'm trying to get that motor pattern, that stronger new motor pattern override the old one, yeah. If they don't do it, it makes it tough. But then again, I, I, I also, I, I take all that back on me as my responsibility to somehow to inspire these kids to mm-hmm. love the game. Because right. if you really love it and have a passion for it, you're going to do it. I mean, I used to be in my driveway in the rain. I didn't care. <laughs> right, I mean, sure. that's just what you did. Mm-hmm. So there's a few out there, and they're usually the ones that really elevate and separate. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you there.
0: Coach, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you sharing with us. Um, My pleasure, Kevin. What, what, what advice? I know I'm going to be seeing you quite a bit and so forth. Uh, hopefully, yeah, I can wait. get out. To, <laughs> hopefully, I can get out to one of your workouts. Yeah, your uh, girls are waiting for you. <laughs> green and white. <laughs> um, hey, just give me a little hint. How are they doing, man?
2: Oh, they're doing very well, man. You're going to love this group. <laughs> they're going to work their right out off through. for you.
0: Yeah, we got to get more out there uh, trying to create that basketball culture out there and, uh, in, in that area. So, uh, But I appreciate everything you're doing with, uh, you know, my future players. Yeah, so definitely. Thanks again. Hey, um, hey what's the final word of advice for not just the players but for us coaches out there who are trying to improve our players' uh, skill level, mental performance, all that?
2: I guess just – I guess two things. One, never stop learning. And that's easy to say, but it's hard to do, you know, to take the time to, to read the books or uh, you know, listen to the podcast outside just the X's and O's. Because most coaches are already pretty dang good at X's and O's that have been at it a while. They've been to plenty of clinics, they got all the DVDs, they read all those books. X's and O's, you can pick up and teach pretty easy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: To me, it's the relationship part, it's the knowing the age group you're with and the, and and really understanding that young person's central nervous system and how easy it is as adults to overwhelm it, shut it down, kill it, and kill that passion for the game. So learn more than the X's and O's. And, uh, you know, on the other side, I guess player-wise, it's, Love the game. I mean, if you're not if if you don't love it, and it doesn't mean that you have to 24-7, it doesn't mean you're not playing other sports. Mm-hmm. You're gonna eventually probably in high school specialize. I get that, especially if you're a little bit more elite, maybe I hate that word, but if you're a little stronger than most, right. I get that. But there's still been plenty of great players that played other sports. They just spent more time in the sport. They're money sport. They're scholarship sport. So mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with being a multi-sport athlete, physically especially. I mean, I'm I'm get, I get so sick at my stomach, and it's going to happen again at this summer season. These young kids, the girls especially, with the ACL tears,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, and it's happening younger and younger because these kids are specializing in you know fifth sixth grade, and their bodies just it's just not good for them. And there's all the research out there medical research everything tells us it's not good and yet it still happens and i think that's that fomo that fear of missing out you know there's trainers out there saying you know you got to start early you got to start early you got to start early right. you know and it's just the wrong, it's just the wrong advice run from those trainers that tell you you can't do other sports that you got to get started early, and you got to get started with them, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I'll tell you, it's, a, it's an exciting time, though, for basketball. I mean, look what's going on right now with the NCAA and the women's games, I mean, and the men's games. It's just – it's a great time, and trying to get these kids to watch games and get inspired by it. And, and uh, to me, that's the biggest thing, that's, is to inspire these kids – to want to go on. I've got so many now that are, that are getting the degrees in college to be coaches. Nice. I mean, nice. looking, they're contacting me to try to find graduate assistant positions and this, that, and the other. And they tell me it's because, because of, and, and this is so humbling, Kevin, is because they say, I want to do what you do. I want to be like you. Mm-hmm. It's like, are you kidding me? You know? And uh, so that, you know, character matters and uh you know a wise man told me long time ago if all you work on and all you live off of is your personality when you're young and you don't develop your character when you're young because you're all jazzy snazzy you know flash and cash and this that and the other and you don't work on your character when your personality's gone and all that's left is your character <laughs> what you got yeah you know so I think that's why I've been successful as long as I have and have such a great relationship with the coaches and the players and and I just everything's based off referrals. I just it does just great for me. So yeah, I
0: love it. Yeah, Mike, you've had a lot of impact on a lot of people, coaches and players. how What's the best way if a coach', is, even in in, the, in, the, in Atlanta area and so forth, they want to contact you? What's the best way to contact Mike Griggs?
2: Well, my email is uh, Coach G at Georgia Basketball Academy.com. Obviously Georgia Basketball Academy.com is a website. Um my uh my phone number is 770 833 7664. I and I do this full time so I'm available a lot especially during school during the day uh because uh nobody's training <laughs> that I know of right. uh, you know Twitter's about the only thing I'm really active on that's at gba coach uh, I've got some other ones with my uh, Georgia Positive Performance Academy, and I'm certified mental performance consultant. And uh, that's just a whole nother podcast because that's just another part that I add in is helping those kids mentally. Yeah, which is under
0: taught, right, Mike? I don't think any of us do a great job with that, but it's something that we need to
2: add to our coaching uh, repertoire, right? Oh, big time, yeah. It, it, to make your X's and O's easier? Work on this up here with those girls and guys, man.
0: I no tell doubt, you. no doubt. And I'll be, I'll be talking with you a lot about that. So, hey, I uh, appreciate your friendship, and I'll be seeing a lot of you. Uh, thanks again for uh, helping out the green and white. So, oh, you're very welcome. And <laughs> let's find that house and get you up here. I know, man. It's, that's gonna be hard, man. We're looking. Hey, if you if you see any houses in your area, man, please.
2: Hi, right, buddy. You know I will. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Thanks, Mike. Take care. All right. Hello, my name is Coach Charlie Miller, Head Master Trainer with the TAC Basketball Academy in Dallas, Texas. I'm here to promote the upcoming Championship Vision Podcast Clinic Series brought to us by Coach Kevin Furtado from Lake Oconee Academy in Greensboro, Georgia. Coach Furtado is a well-respected, sought-after coach and found other coaches like him to share their best practices and secrets to success with players, parents, and teams. The clinic will provide two types of virtual clinics – lecture style via ZoomCast, and on-court instructions with coaches and players. Again, my name is Coach Charlie Miller from Attack Basketball Academy, where we work with kids from third grade through high school in a positive and growth-oriented atmosphere that promotes a whole-body approach to well-being. Our programs are designed not only to improve your child's ability on the court, but also to teach him or her valuable skills that will serve them throughout their lives.